pause for thought and join in the barking with Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog. It's now time to catch up with my latest canine behaviour slot on Magic Talk FM with Roman Travers on the Sunday Cafe. Speaking of dogs, when you can't get your dog to understand what it is you want them to do, chances are you need to talk with Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs. He can help you get your dog sorted and he's here with me on the Sunday Cafe. G'day Darren. Morning, Roman. What a wonderful, what a wonderful link there! I know that was quite clever, wasn't it? I managed to get Noel, Noel Edmonds, bad dogs, and you into the same thing, and Mr. Blobby. I know that, that's never a sentence I thought I'd be included in. I remember Noel, uh, Noel Edmonds when I was a kid back in the UK, and hmm. um, with the Saturday morning swap shop, I think it was called. Yes, it was. Uh, He's been on things like Deal or No Deal, Noel's House Party, the Late Late Breakfast Show, and of course, Mr. Blobby. Who doesn't love him, Mr. Oh, no. oh. Blobby, gosh, that So some some dogs, of course, turn into Mr. Blobby, don't they? Because they're not exercised enough. Is it a is it a, if you're not going to run with your dog, at least get some toys, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm a great believer of um, playing with your dog toy plays, basically. Mm. And I think it's something that we really, really don't um, do enough of. I, I go to a park and I see dogs um, just you know, running around, walking around. And yeah, they're getting that physical exercise, maybe. But they're not really getting mentally stimulated. Mm. And there's a... <clears throat> Apologies. There's a, a study, um, oh, there's so many academic studies out there, but there was a really good one that's really worth reading. Um, you can find it on, the, on my Facebook page. And um, it's all about how... If we use toys to play with our dogs in the right way, then we can start to distress our dogs. And then our dogs, and, and, and there's that whole thing about if you've got a stressed dog, you've got behavioural issues. So, I mean, common sense, isn't it? Play with your dog, de-stress them, behavioural issues disappear. I think you've hit the nail on the head, though. Play with your dog. <laughs> Don't just buy a whole lot of stuff for your dog and then chuck it in the backyard and go back to watching Netflix, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's that interaction, isn't it? The whole point of having a dog, in my opinion, is so that they, they love you, they want to play with you, they want to be fun, part of part of your family. Mm. And then, like you say, we just throw toys out in the back garden and we just let them play themselves. and missing out on a whole opportunity. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I see all the time is I go to the dog park and I'm... I'm I quite often go to a dog park without a dog just to watch people. It's quite sad, I know, but that's just the way I am. Um, I'm the one sat there with my cup of coffee watching other people play with a dog. Um, and I just see people throwing the ball, and yet their dogs are tearing around and grabbing the ball. But do you know what? They're missing out on about 50% of that of that play that the dog's having. And um, I don't know if this uh, relates to you, because you've got, you've got a border terrier, or you had a border terrier. Mm. The border terrier, when you throw the ball, they do chase, don't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. so they'll chase the ball. But when they get there, they probably rip the ball to pieces. Yeah. That's generally what they do, yeah. But very rarely they'll bring it back. I mean, apologies to all those people who've got amazing border terriers that bring it back, but they want to rip it to pieces. So so where's the fun? Is it the chase or is it the ripping apart? Well, that's a good question, think, though, Darren. Is it yeah. important? Why is it we want our dogs to bring things back to us? That's all about us. What about, is it, it just is. let them pull things to pieces, maybe? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's very few dogs that naturally bring things back. They've been bred to naturally do that. I mean, the, the funniest thing I find is a retriever, the golden retriever. People assume that that's a dog that's going to bring things back. Mm. In fact, it's actually quite hard to teach a golden retriever to bring things back. And, and all credit to all those people, those gun dog owners that do that, because they naturally want to just chase after the ball. In fact, my Irish setter is another gun dog. If you throw a ball for them, they look at it, majority, not always, but they look at it and go, yeah, what? But if you give it to them in their mouth, they run off and you chase them. They are happy as anything because they want to be chased more so than actually want to chase. Whereas the opposite is my border collie. You throw a ball, man, they're, they're shooting off. But how many border collies do you see again in the park that they shoot off and grab the ball or go for the ball? Once they get it, they lie down and the owners are then wandering over to pick up the ball and throw it again. Yeah, and then the owner's intuition is to say, oh, my dog's so naughty it won't bring it back. Yeah. The dog doesn't know to bring it back, does it? 
Exactly. The dog's just doing what it naturally does and getting the best out of it. So, so if we think about that ball throw and we're throwing that ball, and, and so 50% of the excitement the dog's enjoying by itself, and then the other 50% they're enjoying by themselves. So, so I say get involved in that last bit. So um, I, I very rarely use a ball nowadays with my dogs. It's always a tuggy toy. And I bypass the ball and, and they just run around anyway. But I'll just play with tuggies and, I, and I'll make sure I've got that association, mm. um, that positive association with me and the toy, not just the toy. Yeah, look, I know two people who've got brand new dogs in the last few weeks. Carly Flynn from Weekend Life and John Budge from the Sunday Cafe, executive producer. Uh, They've both got new dogs. You could be busy. Is this really recognised as puppy season? I think you've said before there really isn't a puppy season, is there? Um, I, I'm, New Zealand amazes me, actually, um, that puppy season is just all the way through the year. We, I can't believe we're a bit of a record. We've, we've enlisted 26 puppies into our puppy preschool in the last three weeks. Wow. And I've still got people. I've booked the puppies. Um, I've advertised one for five weeks' time, and I'm, I'm getting people booking into that already. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just going crazy. I think it might be because of lockdown. People have suddenly thought, well, let's get a dog. I know, <laughs> but you know what? It's a bit like... It's a bit like having a baby, isn't it? You know, it's go, oh, I'm bored. Let's have a baby. You've yes, got them for right, a long yeah. time, haven't you? And it's a bit like oh, having yeah. a child. It's exactly. I mean, I always equate um, a puppy or a, any kind of dog, really, to a two-year-old child. Mm. They tend to get to that maturity, and it's about two years. So if, you, if you've got kids and you know how hard two-year-olds are, um, that's what you've pretty much got until they're about 14. Gee, yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. A commitment, isn't it, really? Yeah. Look, hey, if you've got questions with your puppy, you maybe you've got one or you're thinking of getting mm-hmm. one, don't be scared about getting one. Get the right advice now by giving Darren a call on 0800 844 747. I've been told for years and years and years that your, um, your English pointers and your German pointers, they're like really immature, naughty teenagers for most of their lives. Is that true? <laughs> It is, yeah. And I, again, I, I was reading someone on the internet. I don't know how much how much truth in it, but um, it seems to have some kind of university behind it. So, and they were saying that um, your your dogs are a bit like teenagers in some ways. When they get to about eighteen months, they can sometimes emulate that puberty teenager thing, mm. and they do. They get really naughty. So, so quite often, I find I train a dog as a puppy, someone's dog as a puppy, and and they're fantastic. They're like top of the class, and. If that person then doesn't continue the play, doesn't continue the training, and let's face it, you can put training and play together. They don't have to be separate, yeah? Um, then what happens about a year later, they become the naughtiest dog in, on, on, the, um, on the block, basically. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they, they can, and they go, through, they go through that terrible time, you know, where they, they just don't want to do what they're told. <laughs> and it's, How important yeah. is it in that sense then, because you and I have had differing opinions because I'm not the expert, but all through my life I've been told about you've got to be the authoritarian, you're the boss. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like Donald Trump. You want the people to like you, don't you? Well, you do, but you, you do have to have a line there, don't you? So, so with dogs, I think the most important thing is, no, you don't have to be their boss, because when we think of boss, we think of that hierarchical, um, like authoritarian look, but you certainly have to give boundaries and guidelines for that dog to follow, and there, and there may be a consequence if they don't if they go over that boundary, yeah? Um, but that, that consequence isn't aggression or, or dominance or anything like that. It'll just be maybe they, they just don't get that at that point, yeah? Um, yeah? I try to make it so that they they actually have a positive alternative to go to rather than go across that boundary, if that makes sense.
Yeah, okay. Um, the right. more positive you give a dog, the more they're going to like you at the end of the day. Simple as that. Well, it's the same at work with people that you work with. Everyone loves being patted on the back and complimented. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I know. 0800 844 <laughs> 747. Please give me a call now and you can have a chat yeah. with Darren and ask your questions. You might even have some rip snorter great toys that have lasted the distance that you might want yeah. to recommend as well. 0800 844 747. Back shortly with your call. 0800 844 747. That's the number to call for free advice with your dog, your puppy, whatever you're trying to get it to do. Often it's a tweak, a subtle little tweak. And Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs can do that tweaking with you, can't you? Sounds like a dance move, tweaking. But are you there, Darren? How about you are. <laughs> yep. He's, I am there. I've got, yeah, a, I've, quite recently. <laughs> I've got a text um, from Ian. Ian says, Is it better to buy a purebred or a mongrel? I don't think it really makes any difference. I think the most important thing that you want to do is you want to look at what the breeder is doing and find out as much about the background of the dog as you can. So, so if you're buying um, a pure breed, mm. then it's got to be from someone that actually understands the dog and is giving that dog everything they need, especially if it's a puppy. If it's, um, I don't like to use the word mongrel, but if it's a crossbreed there, then um, I think it's really important that you understand what the crosses are or as much as you can. And... If the dog hasn't had a great life, because a lot of the um, crossbreeds are, are rescue dogs, maybe, yeah. um, just understand that background. What what kind of behaviours are likely to come out because of that background? I think. But yeah, I mean, the the, the crossbreeds tend to be quite um, hardy, um, so they don't tend to have as many behavioural, uh, sorry, as many um, medical issues yeah. quite often. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, for me, really, the dog picks you, so it's, it's whatever you whatever you like. And in terms say, of one's better than the other. In terms of the toys that you buy a dog, we often like toys yeah. we, that appeal to us. But what about the dog? Yeah. What, what do they like? Things they can chew that don't break up. What's the best yeah, thing to buy? So, so there's, there's actually um, there's actually a dog is a predator. Yeah. So there's actually a predatorial sequence that dogs go through, and and you have like your border collies that chase, and you have your your German shepherds and that kind of dog that bark lots and, and also chase. And then you've got the, like the the sort of staffies that grab, and and then you've got your terriers that want to rip to pieces, and then you've got your your gun dogs that want to chase you, right? So so if you look at the, where your dog fits in, and we don't always fit into exactly the right category as is life, but you can kind of tell which toy would work better for your dog. So if you've got a, um, a staffy type dog they want to grab hold and they want to hold on to it you know getting off getting a toy off a staffy is a hard work isn't it yeah? mm. it's not natural for the dog so you always use two toys there and they let go of that one to grab the next one yeah um but if you give them a really soft toy they're probably not going to get a kick out of that it's got to be quite hard they want to grab it and really feel it in their mouth yeah whereas if you give a terrier a toy and it doesn't squeak they're not interested five minutes later they don't care about it yeah. so you've got to give them a squeaky one and they want to rip to pieces yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's really important to pick the right toy for the dog, not the right toy for you. Some um, some dogs, of course, would regard the neighbour's cat as the best toy yeah. around because it just keeps running until it's, until yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Then it wants to rip your nose off. But uh, how do you discourage your dog from chasing things like cats? Yeah, so certainly, I mean, if you've got a puppy, then you, you've got a head start. So you can always um, desensitise your puppy to the to the kittens and cats from day one and I'd recommend as soon as you get your puppy even if you don't have a cat don't find someone that doesn't just sit in there and let them say hello and share food and that kind of stuff because they will be scared most dogs are scared of cats that's why they chase them yeah, yeah. Um, if you've got a dog <clears throat> if you've got a dog that's a little bit older and it's actually quite a hard work because you you want to stop them um, sort of keying into that predator prey drive so especially a herding dog you, the last thing you want is them to chase so all all associations with your with a cat and a dog are always going to be on the lead mm. um, while you're training definitely Okay, and, and and the other thing is you can have a have a have your cat 
and put your dog maybe a couple of meters away and then just feed your dog as long as they're not kicking off and barking and being silly get them to a place where they're not doing that and then just feed them and then they'll make a positive association with the cat with food mm. and but it does take a long time it's not something's going to happen overnight definitely do you find people are still buying dogs for well they buy them for a range of reasons because they've got a small place so they buy a small dog but are the reasons why people don't buy big dogs valid? There's a perception they're going to eat a whole heap of food. That's not necessarily true, though, is it? No, it's not. And and I, in my opinion, this is just, I mean, I've got big dogs, so I'm a bit biased, but I actually find a bigger dog is easier to look after than a, than a smaller dog. I think, and, that, and the main reason for that is that when we get a smaller dog, we think we don't have to do anything with the dog because it's just a little tiny thing, isn't it, that sits there. But it's still the same as a big dog. You still need to do the same training. You still need to do all the same things that you would with a bigger dog. Um, and when we don't, we get really naughty little dogs. And a lot of there's a lot of naughty little dogs out there. Mm, yeah, so, I've just, I've yeah, just found one for you, Darren. It's a text that's coming really? from Aaron. Our older dog, it's a chihuahua that used to pee on the puppy pads, but recently started peeing beside them. How do I get the little chihuahua to pee back <clears throat> on the right place? Yeah, so, so I, I've got a, a bit of an issue with some of the puppy pads because if you think about what's happening, you're teaching your dog to pee inside, right. um, full stop. Um, it might be, um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? it might just be the, probably, actually think about that one, think about it, it's probably the, the feeling that they have on their feet. So when, when dogs pee, they, they kind of get stimulated or get triggered to pee by the feeling in, in their paws. So if they go on grass, it's a different feeling to concrete, to puppy pads. And it may well be that there's something going on there that it just... Um, doesn't like that puppy pad feeling anymore. Mm, okay. <laughs> but I would, I would be very strongly thinking about catching that puppy. I mean, our puppies are asleep at the moment, but the second they wake up, they're going outside and we will take them out and they won't come back in until they've had a pee. Yeah, yeah. No, look, it's, and we're it's, training them to do that. Look, and they went through for the first time last night, all through the night without um, waking us up to go to the toilet. So I've had a really good sleep. <laughs> there'll be situations where people live in apartments where they don't have grass anywhere near them. So all that mm. stuff becomes, it's a little bit unnatural, but it's what people do. Here's another text. Hi, Roman. What's the best way to stop a one-year-old Hunterway Cross Lab pup from eating everything, especially inedible things like wood from the garden. She's not so bothered about food. It's more eating toys. And this one, it goes on to say she's just come in from the vet and eaten a whole almond off a tree. Now, an almond's tiny, of course. Are they? No? Okay. Um, Well, it can be. I think they've probably got a case on them. I suppose the other thing is like they're eating stones and things like that. Um, Labradors are terrible, aren't they, for that sort of thing, or or lab lab crosses, definitely. it's really a management thing. Um, our puppies have just started to, we've, we've put them out on the driveway and they've started to pick up stones. So, so that's not happening anymore. They're not going out on the driveway because I don't want to give them that opportunity. Mm. I suppose the more a dog does something, the more it becomes fun and, you know, and that behavior then becomes something they want to do. So I would think about restricting where they go on concrete so they don't have access to any of those sort of things. It's a hard one though, isn't it? Because if a dog, if a dog's just left out there by itself to do things, it's going to find things. So it really is a management thing. Our dogs are not just left alone. If they are, they're in the kennel. Mm. So, I, I knew a Labrador it. years ago that, no no lie, this dog, a Labrador, was a golden Labrador, ate a one kilo of cheese because it was on the bench. Wow. It wasn't hungry. It just yeah. ate it. And <clears throat> yeah, Would that right. make a dog pretty sick? Oh, I would have thought so, yeah. They're, they're, not, they're quite dairy intolerant, most dogs, aren't they? I think, mm. um, the other thing is that um, I, a friend of mine had a dog who would kept eating stones, and they've had five operations, and if anyone's had a dog um, in a vet to get an operation, it, it's a fairly thousand dollars every time, so yeah, their dog has cost them a fortune. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> it's well worth the management. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. And I tell you what, 
and this isn't just me trying to flog your business because I think you do a wonderful job and it's a service that <laughs> no, people... No, well, because the thing is, Darren, that often we get a dog and people like me and I go, oh, yep, oh, I've had dogs for years, I know what I'm doing. I've got no yeah. idea. I think I know, but to get it right yeah. from the start is important, isn't it? Uh, that, that first 20 weeks of its puppy it dictates everything you're going to get from that point onwards, really. So, yeah, it's so important. And, and I kind of tell people, I, I would rather people phone me up, and occasionally, not very often, but I'd rather people um, enlist me as a dog trainer before they even got their dog, because if they can get the, everything set up right in the first place, then they don't even introduce those bad behaviours from the start. Mm. And, 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 again, people do the puppy preschools, and they think, oh, that's it, got it all sussed now. But if you were to just train your dog, doesn't matter who with, as long as they're a good trainer and they're, they're, they're that force positive training if you were to train your dog for the first year constantly every week man you'd have an amazing dog you really would yeah you wouldn't need to do anything after that unless something sort of happens to the dog in the meantime there is still time for you to get your question in and here's how you do it you grab your phone and call 0800 844 747 darren rowe here from mindfulness for dogs darren i was going for a walk recently one of my big long walks i came past a gateway and some massive dog i think it was a mastiff and an Alsatian, they both knew I was coming and they waited till I was right at the gate and they lit up. I just about filled my pants. Here's, here's a text that says, our neighbours have dogs and they bark all the time when we walk past and when they, hear, yeah. when they hear noises. What's a nice way to talk to our neighbours about this? Well, this is more like, you know, PR control stuff, isn't it? That's a hard one, isn't it? Because, yeah, um, yeah your neighbours never, or, or your... Your neighbours never think that the dogs are barking because they're never there. Mm. So the best way to do it, I always find, is proof. So um, just record it. That's the best way on your phone. And then just say, look, are you aware that your dogs are doing this? But what I would say is don't just go and call the council straight away. Have a chat with them. Build that relationship with your neighbours because a lot of times it's just about placing your dog in a different position. Um, And and like I say, half the time the neighbours aren't even aware that the dogs are doing that. If you feel you can't speak to the neighbours, then obviously you go through the, the, the correct routes and stuff. But it does get really messy really quickly when you involve the council straight away. There's a lot of other things that can be done before that. But one real quick way, when, when we were back in the UK and we were walking around, I used to take the seven dogs around the streets, and no dog would be barking, or very few dogs would be barking at my dogs. And the reason being is what I would do is when I got to a place where the dogs were barking, I'd just stand still. Because if you think about why dogs bark at us, they want to get rid of us. Yeah. So they come charging out and they're barking. So we just stand there, and as long as we're not too scared and it's all safe, if we just stand there and wait until the dog stops barking and then walks away, then they haven't got what they want. So that strategy doesn't work, so they won't do it next time or they won't do it after a few times. Two things happen. They either choose to do that or the owner gets so upset with the dog barking, they come out and actually bring their dog in. Either way, it's a win-win, isn't it? Mm. Look, I'm not one who's nervous about dogs, but these two, the the adrenaline just coursed through my veins. It was incredible. They were very loud and quite... So my concern with that sort of thing is it's all very well for dogs to be within their boundary and they can do what they want. But if it's a small child going past or these dogs manage to get close enough to have a bite, this is a menacing problem, isn't it? It is, and that definition of aggression, isn't it? You know, a dog's allowed to, to bark in its own property for, I think it's about five minutes before it becomes a nuisance. But when they're actually charging at the gate, you know, some, some people's gates aren't very strong. That becomes a menacing, that becomes an aggression case, isn't it? So yeah. within, you're within your rights to actually report that issue if it's really bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> uh, one breed I don't see much of anymore, but I love their personalities, is the Doberman. Here's a text from Macca. My red 
Amroth Doberman loves to pop tennis balls. It won't tear them to pieces, hence I have half a dozen of them in my ute. Apart from that, he's a brilliant companion. That's quite a delicate operation just to pop the ball but not rip it to pieces. It is. Yeah, yeah so that goes, goes back to what we were saying earlier about the, the chomping. So so the Doby's like a grabby, bitey dog, isn't it, really? Mm. Um, so, so their fun would be that chewing. If they're excessively doing that, it could be a stress thing, stress relief, because remember when dogs chew, they release all those happy drugs. I think um, Matt was talking about the release of the hormones in the flight and fight. It's yeah. the same thing for dogs. So, yeah, they, when they chew, they release all those lovely hormones and it makes them feel happy. But remember, right, if your dog's chewing and chewing and chewing and they're releasing those happy drugs, then there's always a downer mm. right afterwards. So that's where the behavioural issues come in. <laughs> So there's still time to squeeze in a call, 0800 844 How much playtime is too much playtime? Because I know that dogs need a lot of sleep, don't they? They do, yeah. And, and that's one of the things I always recommend to people, that if a dog doesn't get to sleep, there's no processing time of the day. So they wake up really freaked out and really um, sort of high already. So you're starting at like 50% before you even get there. <clears throat> um, what, what I would say is, and this is my recommendation, again, I've just written a blog about it, strange enough, um, when you take your dog out for that hour walk or, or five-hour walk nowadays, um, <clears throat> maybe take the last 15 minutes and just do some toy play. And then if you take your dog out two or three times a day, then you've got that, that toy play. And that's like tuggy toy. So find an appropriate toy that your dog's going to enjoy and then play tuggy with them. Um, you can find the rules of tuggy. It's not – a lot of people say you don't play tuggy because it builds that aggression. It doesn't actually vents that aggression because that aggression is going to come out through the natural predator prey drive. So better to train it onto something more appropriate than to something that you don't want it to do it on, yeah, like okay. someone's arm or something like that, yeah. Well, two people who are glued, apart from everybody else who's glued to this, listening to you about how to raise a puppy, Carly Flynn and John Budge, glued to every word because they've both got new puppies. But should you associate food with play? What I'm saying is should you be stuffing those those Kong-type toys with peanut butter and things that, I just think that sounds disgusting. I'm not so keen on the peanut butter thing myself, um, just because of allergies and things like that. I don't know if dogs do have allergies or peanuts, but um, they're they're separate things. So those Kongs and things are about the the boredom releasing and uh, the boredom um, sort of chewing, that sort of thing. Mm. The toy play that I'm talking about that's more de-stressing in a a predator-prey drive is the tuggies and things like that. So, yeah, both. There's a place for both of those. I have lots of, well, my puppies have got four or five chew toys in there, but they're chewing on at the moment and that's that's a positive thing but when they come out they play tuggy with me so that's a a bonding thing and what about in a family situation that whole thing about being able to take a toy a very you know how dogs are very possessive with their toys should everybody in the family be able to go and take that toy off the dog um, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I always say that kids under five shouldn't try taking things away from a dog at all. Why would you put your kid in that position? Um, most dogs will do it, but if they don't, your kid's been bitten and your dog's been put down, so it's not worth even doing that. Mm. Um, but if they're a resource guarder, so they have a rescue dog or a mixed breed and they've had a bad life, then they're probably going to guard those toys with their life. So um, the last thing you want to do is take that toy away from them because they're going to then guard it even more next time. So, so yes, you do need to be able to teach a dog to, to release things, but if you've got a resource guarder, you might end up making the situation worse if you force it. Okay. And so, should yeah. you do the whole... You know how um, real tough guys have big tough dogs and they get them to hang off toys while suspended in mid-air? Should you do that or should you make a dog sit and release? 
<laughs> so it's normally those um, uh, the, the big bully type dogs that, that you see them swinging around. Mm. Um, but some of those dogs love that, don't they? Um, I'm, I'm not a medical person. Maybe Charlie next week can answer that question. But um, I, I, I can't see how that would do me any good if I was holding on with my teeth and swinging around. There are some um, circus people that do that, and they must be pretty strong. But, um, yeah, I, I can't see. Especially when they let go of them, the dogs go flying and then land on their hips and break the legs. No, can't be great for them, can no, it? No, you're right. It's, it is definitely Cirque du Soleil material, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Darren, I love how enthusiastic you are, and you are a <laughs> member of the Association of Pet Dog Trainers of New Zealand. You've got blogs, you've got stuff for people to, to yeah. go online and check you out. How do they find you? So you can find me on Facebook. You can just search for Mindfulness for Dogs. And like I say, I've just put a blog all about this, so if you didn't catch this, you can, uh, you can read the blog. Um, you can find me on my website. It's mindfulnessfordogs.com. Lovely. Hey, and Darren. Please contact me. Just give me a ring, and I'll, I'm happy to have a chat. Are you? What's your phone number? Yeah, it's 0274, I'll do it slowly, 0274-585872. Well, that wasn't very helpful. I didn't have a pen. Start again. Can you check? I'll say it again. 0274-585872. Brilliant. Darren Rowe from Mindfulness for Dogs. They're helping you with your new puppy or your old dog. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You've been listening to Darren Rowe on The Mindful Dog, giving our canine friends a voice throughout the world. To find out more about what we do, visit our website at www.mindfulnessfordogs.com.